Week 9, Embrace the Scatter. Continuing in our study of Acts, last week we saw a man named Stephen, when asked where he stood in his faith, was bold enough to proclaim his faith in God. And he was bold enough to say he believed that God the Father sent the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth, um, to redeem us of our sins, to save us, to redeem us, to bring us to righteousness. And because Stephen was so bold to proclaim this in front of all the religious leaders of that day, Stephen was stoned to death. And even as Stephen took his last breath in Acts chapter 7, he prayed not that the people would get what was owed them, but he prayed forgiveness over the crowd saying, God, they're acting out of ignorance and they don't know what they do. I found that amazing that Stephen was not only bold in his faith, but in the most trying times of his life, literally ending in his death, he cried out forgiveness over the people hurting him. And I think there's so many times where we find ourselves backing off of the faith because we're scared to offend, or sometimes we find ourselves in the midst of adversity and we don't know what to say. And I believe it's in those times where it's most revealed where we are in our relationship with Jesus. Right now, we're going in the midst of something with COVID-19 where jobs are at a halt. We don't know what to do because restaurants are closed and gas stations are closing and bars are locked up. I know none of you believers go to bars, but um, for those of you that go to Relentless, y'all know me. I'm just real. But some of us just don't know what to do because stuff's not regular. Stuff's not doing what it's supposed to do. And I believe in this time of not understanding where to go or what to do, we've got to see what the apostles did. We've got to see what the early church did. We've got to have the kind of faith that's going to make us stand up like Stephen or back down. So starting in Acts chapter 8, I'm going to read verse 1. It says this. Saul was one of the witnesses, and this is a witness to, to the stoning of Stephen, And he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. And all the believers except the apostles were scattered. Someone shout scattered. Yeah, shout scattered at home. Scattered. The apostles were scattered, except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. Stephen's death was only the beginning. Persecution was about to become stronger and stronger. And this man named Saul, who in the next chapter we see starts the conversion of who we know as the Apostle Paul, was only one of the many persecutors. The Greek word here used actually for when it talks about how Saul agreed completely with the stoning of Stephen is a word soon eod okeo, which actually means to approve and be pleased with. This is where Saul was at in his heart and his mind. Not only was he okay with the stoning of Stephen, but he agreed with it, and he was completely pleased by the death of this man. It paints a picture of Saul that he took pleasure in persecuting the believers of Jesus in this day. And it only gets worse. And Saul spoke about himself later, actually. And this is what he says about himself later on in the Scriptures. In 1 Corinthians 15, 9, it says, For I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way that I persecuted God's church. 
There were many people persecuting the church in this time, and it was only going to get worse and worse and worse. The church was persecuted. The believers were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Now, when I first read this, I thought to myself, oh, well, the believers were scattered because they had to run because of persecution. And that's usually the take that preachers will take, that the church was persecuted, so they had to scatter or protect themselves because of everything going on. But if you look into the text, the word used for scattered has a deeper meaning here. It wasn't just the idea that people had to leave town except for the apostles because they were persecuted, but the original Greek and Hebrew text right here, in the, when it talks about being scattered, it's actually referring to the idea of seeds being scattered for planting. Do you remember what Jesus said back in Acts 1-8, which I believe it's kind of cool because we start off tonight with Acts 8-1, and, and this idea of the disciples being scattered, we're reminded of the scattering that Jesus talks about in 1-8, 8-1-1-8. Acts 1-8 says this, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Interesting how he starts off by prophesying, you're going to be telling me everywhere in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. And here in Acts 8.1, eight chapters later, the disciples are scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. And again, the word not so much running from persecution, but scattered as in seeds being dispersed throughout more than just Jerusalem. But the seeds are now being thrown out in Jerusalem and or in Judea and Samaria through the disciples scattering. This wasn't the result of fear. It was the fulfillment of a prophecy that the persecution they were endure, that they were going to endure was going to be used to spread the gospel like seeds scattered throughout the earth. Sometimes, church, we have to be shaken out of a comfortable state before God can do what he wants to do. Sometimes what you see as something taking you a step back is the very thing used to bring greatness to his name. I was talking with someone today about everything going on, and uh, there was uh, something said when Billy Graham passed away that America was going to come into their next great awakening. And I was talking to this person. I didn't ask permission to use this. I hope it's okay. But they were saying, what if the next great awakening is happening in the midst of COVID-19? Because all throughout everything, we're looking at the panic of virus and the, and the infections and what could happen. But what if the gr next great awakening is the awakening of the need to get back to the home? Because we have fathers misplaced for all they care about is work. We have women displaced because they're trying to prove themselves as equal as men. And I know that may shake some of you. I believe that men and women are equal, but there's definitely different roles for men and women. And we've got to try to stop this comparison game and just embrace who we are. There's this children needing mothers and fathers to, to father them, and they're lost. We're seeing the next generation come up with, with crazy ideals and ideologies. 
I know I'm on Facebook Live, but I'm bold enough to say it. And if you want to stone me, you can stone me at at, eight, at, at a 505 U.S. Highway 80, Pooler, Georgia. I'll be waiting for you. Bring on the rocks. But all these kids are growing up thinking they can choose their own gender and choose their own identity, and they can do what they want. But the fact of the matter is God made you like you are, and you've got to honor that. And we are not bold enough to, to embrace this idea, and people do not know who our God is because the people of God can't even stand up for the truth. Can someone shout amen? Even the band in the room, y'all can shout amen. I don't care. Say amen. And the reason we don't see this need to get back to the home Fathers and mothers and kids and the opening of a Bible at a dinner table and the idea of when you say a blessing, you're inviting God in the midst of, of what you're eating and what you're communing with and the shows you're watching and the music you're listening to. What if this is the next great awakening that we need to get back to the order of the home? The reason we don't see this is because our focus is seldom making his name great. It's become wrapped up in making our name great, and we miss the moment. We miss the moment to, oh, this is great. We're forced inside the home. Let's stop complaining about the need to get back into the streets, to get back into the workplace, to get back into the, 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 the physical houses of God. What if God is trying to say, I can't do anything until the home gets back to where it's supposed to be? One nation under God, many homes under God. Let's take advantage. Someone shout, take advantage. Take advantage. Adversity comes and the first thing we say is, why did this happen to me? Why am I dealing with this? Why am I dealing with that? When really our first response seems to be a Stephen kind of response. God, how would you use this to display your glory? We spend more time posting on Facebook about our need for toilet paper when your neighbor needs Jesus. But you're so consumed about empty shelves in a marketplace that you're not concerned about empty souls in your neighborhood. I know I'm preaching hard, but I'm going to use the platform I got while I got it. 1 Peter 4, 12-13 says this. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad. When was the last time you shouted joy because you were forced back to home? When was the last time you had a shout of glory because now you actually have to depend on the, 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 the promises of God in the midst of no paychecks, in the midst of no guarantees? Instead, be very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. We are being scattered as seeds to places that we have forgotten to be spread to in our very homes, in our families, in our neighborhoods. This is a great opportunity to, to do this. Get joy because his glory is revealed. I know I just kind of blasted Facebook, and we're on Facebook Live, so I can't really do that, but I was watching some of the news feed last, this week, and I saw a little meme pop up and it showed uh, the, the shelf, the shelves at Walmart that had Bibles on it and even the shelves were empty just like the toilet paper, just like the chicken, 
just like all the things that we think we need. And I find it funny, it's in a time of crisis, everyone turns to God. And we wonder why the crisis comes, because we need something to turn us back. So why not rejoice that God is using this? I'm not saying God brought this on by any means. Maybe he did. I don't know. Either way, let's use it. This is an advantage. Let's use this to our benefit. Let's get back to the roots of who we are. We are people. We, we are sons and daughters of the living God. Let your purpose be wrapped up in his glory, revealed, and no circumstance will shake you to quitting or giving up. Rather, we become people that push through as seeds scattered for the sake of the gospel. Continuing on in Acts chapter 8, verses 2 through 4, it says this. Is this okay? Some of y'all picked on me last week in the comments about how many times are you going to say it? I'm going to preach like I usually do. So if, it, if I ask you if this is okay, comment okay, do something. I'm going to read it later. If you didn't shout, if you didn't say something, I know you're not here and you're sinning because you're not listening to the sermon. But Acts 8, verses 2 through 4. Some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning. But Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house. Look at where the church started. Saul did not go to the temples. He didn't go to the place where they usually went in the religious order. He went to the houses where the threat was, where, the, the, where God was getting glory. He was going house to house, persecuting people who simply talked about Jesus and believed in him. We good? And those believers who were scattered like seeds because of this preached. Look, look, continuing in the, in, in, in the text, it says, Paul went from house to house dragging out men and women to throw them into prison. I want to point out that the scripture says dragging, dragging out men and women because this was a new day. They weren't just looking at men as people who were shouting in the glory of God. They were looking at men and women. Saul was dragging out the men and the women out into the street, throwing them into prison, but the believers who were scattered, the believers who were scattered, preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. He wasn't going to temple. He was going from house to house, persecuting people who simply talked about Jesus and actually gave him glory and believed in him. And those believers who were scattered, not running away, but scattered like seeds, understood that they were seeds, and they planted the news of the gospel of the kingdom everywhere they were scattered to. What if we're all being scattered back to the home in America because there's no seeds of Jesus anywhere? Look at the things we've been looking at on TV this week and things we're following on Facebook and the conversations you've had. Is he getting glory right now? If not, then why should he lift the curse off this nation? I think it could be the greatest moment of awakening to realize that we actually need him. I wonder what comes out of your mouth when you're scattered. When you're scattered from one job to another, when you're scattered from one circle of friends to another, when you're scattered from your family because they've rejected you. When these men were scattered, they spoke of one thing, the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10, 31-33 says this, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. 
Don't give offense to Jews or Gentiles or to the church of God. I, too, try to please everyone and everything I do. I don't just do what's best for me. I do what is best for others so that many may be saved. Saul, speaking now as the apostle Paul is even talking about it, he says, and whatever you do, I don't do what's best for me. I do what's best for others so that they may be saved. Every response to every situation should be spoken of and handled in, with one goal. Not what's best for me, but what brings glory to God. Because he is all about you. But do you believe that? Is how you're handling COVID-19 showing people how much you love God? Number 6, 24 through 26, we sang a song about it today. It says, may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. He's all about that. That is the result. Think about Stephen in his last moments. His joy in the midst of being stoned to death was seeing the glory of God. And it says in the scriptures that he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father as he was dying from the brunt of stones being hurled at him. When you have stones hurled, out, hurled at you, like the missing of a check because of COVID-19 layoffs, like your house going through chaos because you have forgotten how to live with each other, can we just get real? You don't know how to have patience with your kids anymore. Because they're gone and you're gone. There's been a miss in the home. When you get these stones thrown at you, do you complain and wish you were out of it? Or are you so fixated on him that all you see is a chance to give him glory? But here's the thing. We have to remember this. It's not simply adversity. Because people always say, you know, well, we can just use, you know, well, we, we just need to praise God. All adversity comes to us because, because God is testing us. No, 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 no. It's adversity for the sake of the gospel. Some problems you bring on yourself. Some problems come from unknown sources. What we have to do is not say, well, this must just be a test. No, 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 no. It may be a test. We don't need to focus how can I get something because it may be a test. What we need to focus on is in the midst of adversity, not how can I pass the test. Passing of the test simply comes to this. How can I give glory to God in the midst of the adversity I'm going through no matter what the circumstance? Even if I bring it on myself, maybe it's repentance, maybe it's forgiveness, maybe it's I've got to make some changes, maybe I've got to pray, ask God what the deal is, and leave everything I chose and go after what he wants. I don't know what it is, but in the midst of adversity, how do I embrace the scatter of my life and give God glory? Do you embrace the scatter or do you run from it? Hmm. In the midst of the scatter right now, we're back to the home and we panic because of no pay. We panic because of social distancing and we have people freaking out when, when two people meet up for lunch because we think we're going to get sick. And I understand the, the concern. I'm not speaking against that. But why can't we look at it as an opportunity to get the seed of God back in our homes? We've got to embrace this scatter. I praise God 
that I can't go to the coffee shop every day right now. I praise God that I can't do my normal daily routine. Because maybe it's time for me to say, God, how do you get glory in a way that I have missed? Continuing on in Acts 8, verse 5, it says this. Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria. Again, seeds scattered through Judea and Samaria. Jesus said it. You will go from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria and all the parts of the earth. And it says, Philip went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah. Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs he did. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims, and many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed, so there was great joy in that city. Philip was scattered to Samaria. Now, we talked about last week how Stephen, the first martyr, was one of the men chosen to deal with the food problems, and back in Acts chapter 6, well, Philip was another one of these guys. He was gone to Samaria. What's interesting about Samaria, 600 years before all this, some people don't know this, but the Assyrians conquered this area and made all the wealthy and the middle-class Jews leave. When they left, the Assyrians brought in pagans to Samaria. And the pagans married the lower-class remaining Jews. And from that day on, over 600 years, they became the Samaritans. And that is why the Jews of this day hated the Samaritans. Because it was a city where Jews were forced out and these pagans came in and basically just infected everything. James and John in the Gospel of Luke even thought, if you read uh, the, 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 the scripture in Luke, they actually brought before Jesus and said, hey, the only good thing for these Samaritans is for them to be burned in God's fiery judgment. These were like the disciples of Jesus who thought the best thing for Samaritans was to burn. Talk about racism. <laughs> it was horrible. Philip preached, but Philip was scattered to Samaria. He was pushed out of his comfort place of Jerusalem after being dependent on the Holy Spirit, preaching the gospel, working in the church. He was scattered to a place that his people, his Jewish people, could not stand. And we don't see Philip complaining about, oh, I don't want to go to Samaria. I don't like those people. I can't talk like those people. I don't understand those people. I want to go home. I'm tired of being in the midst of a mercy. No, no. Philip, Philip did one thing. He said, I am going to preach Christ to these people. He was so transformed in his heart and so transformed in his mind that no room for prejudice could remain toward these people. And because there was no prejudice, because he was going through a heart transformation as being a child of God, he brought joy into the city and great deliverance into the city. Sometimes a situation can scatter you to a naturally undesirable place and it will reveal where your heart is with how you respond to the scatter. Do I condemn my situation and circumstance and, and shout at God because I don't want to be here? Or do we pull a Philip and say, this may not have been my idea, but I'm going to embrace it, and I'm going to love where I'm at, and I'm going to make sure that the seeds of the gospel of the kingdom are going to be planted no matter what. Where's your heart? Are you embracing this opportunity or are you complaining and doubting God's sovereignty? His goodness, his all-knowing. Continuing on in verse 9, 
Philip's in Samaria, and it says, a man named Simon had been a sorcerer there for many years, amazing the people of Samaria and claiming to be someone great. Everyone from the least to the greatest often spoke of him as the great one, the power of God. And the scripture has quotations. I can imagine whoever's writing it was thinking, well, Simon was the great one, the power of God. They listened closely to him because for a long time he had astounded them with his magic. But now the people believed Philip's message of good news concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. As a result, many men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself believed and was baptized. He began following Philip wherever he went, and he was amazed by the signs and great miracles that Philip performed. What happens when you were scattered to a place where evil reigns? Notice Philip didn't waste time trying to discredit the sorcerer Simon. He embraced the place and said, God, do what you want to do. And the people believed in his message because they saw the signs and miracles and wonders coming from Philip. They saw that right there is more real than years upon years of seeing false magic from a guy that we have embraced named Simon. He was a sorcerer that only got the power from one place, the enemy, Satan. When you embrace a scatter in all situations, God will display his true power and justice right in the middle of false power that people have put their faith in. You want me to get real? People have more faith in the job market than the God who says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Half of you are depressed and anxious and stressed and crying at home because you're not making money, yet you claim to worship a God that says, I will never leave you. You really believe that? These people, all they've ever known was a sorcerer named Simon. And all of a sudden, Philip comes and because they see true power, they say, we believe in this message. Pastors always talk about Savannah, Georgia. And when I say Savannah, I'm going to talk about the surrounding areas. Always talk about how Savannah is full of darkness and it's a lost city and I know I'm online, but I'm going to say it like it is. You go to Savannah, and you see every kind of sin downtown in Forsyth Park. Go one day and just watch. You'll see it spreading like wildfire. And all the pastors and all the believers are playing, God, send revival. We need revival. We need more. We need you, God. And God's like, I'm in the midst of you. I've scattered you to this place of darkness. When are you going to show them a true power? Because what they're in is a power that is true to them. It's a magic that is true to them. It is a deception that is true to them. It is a lie that is true to them. They are wrapped up in a truth that they have embraced because we won't embrace the scatter and show them a truth that they have never known. And I hear people say it, man, all the time. Well, I grew up in church and I didn't like all that because they didn't see truth. If they would have seen truth, they would not run from it. So why not we? Is this all right? So why don't we just embrace the scattered? Let's not necessarily rebuke what's going on downtown. We, we can rebuke the action, but let's go get scattered down there. Let's go get scattered in our homes. Maybe after COVID-19 with the downtown thing, just I don't want to get arrested. But uh, you, you get where I'm going. Wherever we get to that point, let's get scattered. 
Your ministry is not the children's ministry at the church, the music ministry. Ministry is what you're called to. You're a minister if you paint planes at Gulfstream. You're a minister if you sell wood at Home Depot. You're a minister if you're a bank teller. You are a minister of whatever you are called to do. Let your seed of the gospel be spread where you're called to. That's okay. Let's embrace it. Let's see God do some things with the scattered. Continuing on in verse 14. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. I'm about to mess some of you religious people up. Can I mess them up? And then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers and they received the Holy Spirit. Quick reminder. They believed in the message of Jesus. But they had not sought to be filled with the Holy Spirit because they simply didn't know. They only knew one thing. There is truth in what Philip's saying because we're seeing the glory of God working through him. All they knew was, that's true, and we're believing in that. And there are people in church who have gotten to this place. We see the truth of Jesus, and we say, yeah, I believe in him. Save me from my sins. But we stop at Jesus. You think about every church in the area. Most churches stop at salvation, salvation, understand Jesus, 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 salvation, 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 Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus himself says, I am the door. Come through the door. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. The issue with these people was not that they, did, they weren't true believers. It's they stopped with, we believe in that message, but we're not going to seek to fill ourselves with what that message is all about. People always talk about the gospel of the kingdom and the gospel of Jesus. If you get the gospel of Jesus, you understand that Jesus was the gospel of the kingdom. Everything he talked about to his disciples, kingdom, 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 the culture of heaven, how, how heaven invades earth, how to access what heaven right now. It's all inclusive, and Jesus says, I'm going to make you right so that you have the blessing of God himself to bring heaven to earth so that the seed of the gospel of the kingdom can be scattered everywhere. These people believed the message, but they hadn't seek to rid themselves and be full of the Holy Spirit. And I believe one of the biggest problems in the world today is we've got thousands upon thousands of people who believe in Jesus, but they ain't filled with nothing. I'm talking to some of you right now. Throughout this time, all you're doing is you're outside and you're having a beer and you're hanging with your buddies and you're doing all this. Oh, but you believe in Jesus, so you're good. But what have you scattered throughout that neighborhood? What have you done? I know this is a challenging message, but we need to hear it. Are we embracing the scatter? Are we embracing that I'm going to believe in Jesus, and because I believe in that truth, I'm going to rid myself of everything I can so that I have room to be filled with God? 
When the scatter happens, where do you stand? In a belief of Jesus or in the reality of what Jesus came to do as evident in what you are filled with? The Holy Spirit or someone defiled just waiting for change? Because that's what the church does. God, bring us back to heaven. Bring us home. And God's like, I've made you for the earth. I want you to do one thing. I want you to redeem what can be redeemed until I restore all things. Well, how do I redeem it? I don't have that power exactly. Believe in the truth of Jesus. Rid yourself of yourself. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and let him work. We are called the temple of the living God. It's, start, it's time to start actually letting him live and breathe through you. Just because you said believe doesn't mean you have power. you got to seek to be filled by God every day over and over and over. Because truth is, if you're filled with God, you should be emptying every bit of him out and filling up. Empty it out, fill it up. You want to prove it to you? If you missed any of these, the weeks in the series early on, Peter and John were bold enough to preach, and it says when they got back, they prayed for more boldness, and they were filled again with the Holy Spirit. But some of you are so filled up on God and you're so holy, you've actually become prideful in what you think you have and therefore God doesn't have any room to disperse a thing. I want to be filled up and disperse it and filled up and disperse it and filled up and disperse it. I want to get scattered. In verse 18 it says, When Simon saw, again this is Acts chapter 8, when Simon saw that the Spirit was given when the apostles laid their hands on the people, he offered them money to buy this power. And we do that today. Oh, I'll just sow into the church so that I can get a blessing on my life. That's what we do. We want to buy power. Oh, I need to get healed. Yeah, I'll buy that, that $10 vial of healing oil off of TBN, even though I don't even know what TBN is. Some of y'all looking it up right now. We try to buy power. Look at verse 19. Let me have this power too, he exclaimed, so that when I lay hands on people, they will receive the Holy Spirit. He didn't get it. See, he believed in Jesus, but he wasn't full. He believed in the message. He believed in the truth. He may have been saved, but he didn't get it yet because he was still seeking himself. Verse 13 I want to read verse 13 again. It says, Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he began following Philip wherever he went. He was amazed by signs and great miracles Philip performed. Remember where Simon was? He was the one that everyone was amazed with. Then he believed in Jesus, and he was amazed by what they were doing. He believed, but he did not fully grasp the Holy Spirit and thought it was power that could be bought instead of realizing it was a person who simply wanted to be allowed to rule. Simon didn't want to be ruled by God. He wanted to display the power for his own glory. And that's what the church has become all about. It's not build the people of God. It's let me create an organization under a nonprofit covering so that I can get all this glory for how great I am. You see more testimony of preachers than the testimony of Jesus. You hear about the next great preacher and how, oh, this person's so great and that person's so great and this person's so great. And God's like, the reason I'm here is to make my name great, not yours. Simon wanted to display the power for his own glory. He wanted the following. He wanted people to say, oh, Simon's a great preacher. He's a great healer. He's a great this. He's a great this. Philip didn't go to get fame. 
Philip did one thing. He said, I'm going to go to a place that none of us have ever liked, and I'm going to let myself be scattered and bring glory to the name of God. Isn't that what we've gotten in the church? We proclaim Jesus, but we try to display power rather than actually being ruled by it. You will see how much you're raised in him in the midst of a scatter. Want to know how? Where did you turn to first? What was your first response? What is your thought life consumed with? In verse 20 of Acts chapter 8, Peter replied, May your money be destroyed with you for thinking God's gift can be bought. You can have no part in this for your heart is not right with God. Repent of your wickedness, pray to the Lord, perhaps he will forgive your evil thoughts, for I can see that you are full of bitter jealousy and are held captive by sin. You see where he see, you see what Peter and John just saw? Peter, Peter replied, he said, no, 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 you don't want to be filled with power, God. You're jealous that people are seeing power here and not in you, and you think it's about us. And Peter and them realized the reason that his power is working is because we have removed ourselves and let him fill us up. Verse 24, pray to the Lord for me, Simon exclaimed. Simon gets it. He's like, okay, pray for me that these terrible things you said won't happen to me. And after testifying and preaching the word of the Lord in Samaria, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem. That's pretty awesome. Peter and John got to go back to Jerusalem to the place of comfort. And they stopped in many Samaritan villages along the way to preach the good news. You believe in Jesus, Simon, but you can't have the power until your heart surrendered to him. Isaiah 55, 1 says it like this, If anyone's thirsty, come and drink. Even if you have no money, come take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. When it comes down to it, it's this. You don't have to earn it. You just have to be hungry and thirsty for it. They recognize, Simon, you're not hungry and you're not thirsty because you, your belly is full of jealousy and you're held captive by sin. So get rid of it so that you have room for hunger. What if repentance for you is not just about forgiveness? What if it's how you empty yourself so that you can be hungry again? Because for some of us, we're so full of all the things we seek, we don't have any room to hunger and thirst for him. What's great here is we see Simon is wicked for twisting this idea of power, but because you believe you can ask God for forgiveness and repent, church, it's never too late to learn how to embrace the scatter. You can still repent. You can still say, let me get out of myself. Let me get out of my bitterness, out of my jealousy, out of my rage, out of my pride, out of my selfish ambition, and embrace what I'm supposed to do. I want to empty myself and be full of him. I wonder if that's something that you need to do tonight, to pray about what do I need to empty? What am I full of that there's no room to be hungry for him? Now, I told you, that Peter and John got to go back to Jerusalem, the place of comfort for them, the place where they've learned how to, how to do their thing. And that's what we want. We're all praying that the COVID-19 goes. We're all praying to get back to the job. We're all praying that God deliver us. And let's just be honest, in our minds, deliverance looks like we go back to how things were. But look at verse 26. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go south down to the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. Peter and John got to go back. 
Philip was led to the desert. And many of us, if we were in this predicament right now, that if we were led to a place of even less after this, let's say that when COVID-19 ends, there is no job waiting for you. Let's say that when COVID-19 ends, things look completely different and you don't get to go back. Are you going to complain that God didn't come through? Or are you going to be like Philip and submit and say, wherever you want to scatter me, that's where I'm going to go. Just because you're scattered once doesn't mean you get to go back automatically. You want to know how you're embracing the scatter? Your location and your call does not affect your peace. Because the peace is in you, not the destination. If your peace is job security, you are not relying on God. If your peace is once COVID-19 leaves, you're relying on the healing of the sickness rather than the power of God. Are you hearing me, church? Our peace has to be within us from him and nothing else. Life twists and turns and brings all kind of unexpected things. I know it just as good as any of you. I'm at a time in my life where medical stuff's coming up again that I never thought would come up again. You think I'm scared? No. My peace is not in the medical stuff. My peace is in my God who never lets me down. So Philip goes to the desert, and look what happens in verse 27. I hope this is okay. So he started out, and he met the treasure of Ethiopia. That's pretty cool. Treasure of a whole flipping country. <laughs> treasure of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Candake, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. It's pretty cool. You're a treasurer and you go to Jerusalem to worship and then you come back with a, like literally the book of Isaiah, like he bought scrolls. Those weren't exactly cheap in the day. We know something about this eunuch, the treasure of Ethiopia. Pretty well established. The Holy Spirit, verse 30, or verse 29, the Holy Spirit said to Philip, Go over and walk along beside that carriage. So Philip ran over. <laughs> I love that. God says, go walk. Philip ran. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? The man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. This was a man of, of success, treasure of Ethiopia. But in the midst of all of his success, he still had questions, and he still needed answers. Don't think that success satisfies you. God is the only one that can satisfy you. This man was successful, but he was still needing something. So he went to the temple and worshiped, and he used his money to buy the scrolls of the prophet Isaiah. He was hungry for answers that his success could not get him. And God knew it, so he said, Philip, I know you want to go back to Jerusalem. But there's this guy over here. He's a very successful man. And you have no idea who he is. No one knows he's in need. 
but he is searching for me. So he says, Philip, I know you want to go back to your comfort, but can I scatter you to the desert because he needs you right now? And you're complaining because you're back at home. Maybe your kids or your husband or your wife or your mother or your father is more confused than ever and they've been searching and they don't have answers and this is your time to scatter the seeds of the gospel back into your family. Philip goes into the desert. God says, go up to that man. The only way Philip ever knew where to go was that he was familiar with the voice of God and the person of the Holy Spirit. So he went to the man. And in verse 32, it says, the passage of the scripture that he had been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated, received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet Isaiah talking about himself or someone else so beginning with the same scripture Philip told him the good news about Jesus verse 36 as they rode along they came to some water and the eunuch said look there's some water why can't I be baptized I'm going to read that again, starting in verse 34. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with the same scripture, Philip told him about the good news of Jesus. And this eunuch, the treasurer of Ethiopia, who was searching for God, this no-name dude came out of nowhere, and he wanted to get baptized. I, I find it interesting that the scriptures tell us that Philip didn't start with expounding. It says Philip began with the same scripture that the eunuch was reading. He met him where he was at and then showed him the truth of Jesus. Part of embracing the scatter is you're willing to meet people where they're at and lead them into truth instead of trying to pull them out into a new place hoping they'll see it for themselves. And you know why you want to know why those people never get the answers they're searching for? Because we are not willing to be scattered. And people are searching for truth, and they're finding it in everything else but Jesus. They're finding it in identity that's false. They're finding it in a drink. They're finding it in a drug. They're finding it in a, a, a way of life. They're finding it in a false God. Because we're not willing to embrace the scatter. The New Living Translation leaves out verse 37. So I'm going to pick up in the New King James Version with verse 37. It says, then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. Talking about being baptized. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. <laughs> Notice he says, with all your heart. Sometimes you got to get out of your head knowing that God has to be more than just an intellectual idea of a belief you got to let him fill you. So in verse 38, I'm coming to a close. He ordered the carriage to stop. They went down to the water, and Philip baptized him. 
when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. It's interesting how there was no need for more to be filled with the Holy Spirit because he was full in this moment. Because there, you, you can't normalize God. You can't have a belief of, you, oh, well, you believe in Jesus and then you get filled, or you believe in Jesus and get filled. This all has to do with what are you willing to empty yourself with and hunger for him. This eunuch was hungry. And in a moment, Philip met him where he was at. He put down all his beliefs, and he was baptized and God had no God had no more assignment for Philip to the point where as soon as dude was baptized, it says Philip was snatched away. In other words, it was on to the next assignment. Meanwhile, verse 40, Philip found himself farther north at the town of Azotus. He preached the good news there in every town along the way until he came to Caesarea. Philip's work was done, and he immediately went on his way. As soon as that guy came out of the water, and even though Philip left so quickly, this man was rejoicing. It shows that this man's faith was not rooted in Philip. This man's faith was rooted in the Messiah, was rooted in Jesus, was rooted in the one true God. You ever hear people about who lose their faith because a preacher messed up in the church? You ever hear about people losing their faith because the circumstances fell through? Well, I prayed for 10 years, and it never came true, and I just don't have faith anymore. The way you respond to that shows you where your faith truly is. Are you really wanting God or do you just want the benefit of what he promises? Because I can tell you, we've got to get to a place, church, where even if we don't get anything else, belief and comfort in him is all we need. And because this eunuch got it, there is no need for Philip anymore. And Philip found himself further north, scattered, preaching the good news in every town along the way. How do you respond to situations? How do you respond to the scatter? Do you embrace it? Or are you crushed by it? I close with this passage in Philippians 1.6. I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. I'll read again. I am certain that God who, be- who began the good work within you will continue his work until it finally finishes on the day when Christ Jesus returns. God never gives up on what he begins. And if you believe in Christ Jesus... He is never done with you. So in this time, are you willing to embrace the scatter, to empty yourselves and say, God, what would you have? What would you have me say? What would you have me do? Where would you have me go? What is the ministry that I have in my home? What is the ministry I have in my family? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to say? Who do you want me to minister to? Who needs to see you? Maybe that answer is you. God never gives up on what he begins. So let's not panic. Let's embrace it. Let's go deeper in a relationship with him so that he can lead us into righteousness that he sees. Embrace the scatter and become the seeds that he will use to redeem the world.
Amen.